This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. And with us today, Logan, he's our number one number one guy. When we started this podcast, we said, who's, who's the guy that we want to have on? Of course. I thought you said Sam couldn't join. <laughs> You know, that was a scheduling issue. If we want to hang Sam Fortier and be like, hey, man, what, what, you, you left us. You killed us. No, Sam had a project he's working on. And uh, we had put out on Twitter that Sam was going to join the show. And our plan was to have John Kime on Thursday. And instead, here's ESPN's John Kime with us today. Yeah. We will have Sam on Thursday. But we are so psyched to have you, John. Um, someone who, you know, for me, I can say for me personally meant everything to my ability to do the job on the beat when I was on it. Um, a guy that I still have so much respect for and love talking to Logan. I know you guys talk and, um, before we dive into the substance of the team now, Logan, what do you remember from John as a reporter when you were a player? Well, I think John came over to my house recently and my wife told him pretty much we gushed over John because John is a guy you could talk to like when the microphone was off and, um, he, you, he, you had, you, he had my trust always, you know what I'm saying? And he never abused my trust. And it's something that, um, you know, now being on this side of the veil a little bit, I always try to remember is like John's example for just being honest mm-hmm. and just being totally with it. And he's a guy who loves football and loves the team and that comes across and it was easy to talk to him. And it's a guy that I've always, again, like, you know, Craig was joking about, uh, you know, having, having you on the show, John, but like, it was something that we've always been talking about. And a big reason was because I've always trusted your content. And I've always trusted well, how you, you handle information. So, again, like really stoked. And that's my memory of him. That's my wife's memory of him. Everyone who played for uh, played when John was on the beat. That's how they remember him. So feel really lucky to have you here and not be on your show, well, which I'm on all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, but I appreciate it. And that, now that we got you all softened up, let's beat you up for content. Let's do it. <laughs> Man. I, I I think, you know what, it's probably better for me just to say goodbye right now because nothing's going to happen. I can't, I, can't, I can't do anything that's going to help. So. Right. so next time, Logan, make notes. Uh, this is only our 10th episode, but in the future, save compliments for, for the end. Okay. That's a good. Well, I mean, you asked how it was, and I was just being honest. You know what I mean? So, no, that's yeah. great. That's what people come for, the honesty. Okay, so here's what we got on the show today in terms of actual substance about the commanders. Mandatory minicamp starts tomorrow. Uh, it's scheduled to go through Thursday. Typically, Thursday winds up getting wiped away. So we probably got two days of mandatory practice for everyone involved in the team. It's mandatory, but the number one story going in is that Terry McLaurin is unlikely to show up. It has been reported by John and others that he is not coming to mandatory minicamp as he awaits his contract. We also are waiting to see what happens with Deron Payne and Montez Sweat. Uh, we are waiting to see if Chase Young continues to show up like he has in the last couple of voluntary sessions uh, or if he's you know got permission or not and is just out in Colorado with his rehab. So we have those kind of four big names to talk about 
then we will get into what we saw so far. Obviously, we did some pretty significant recaps last week, uh, but how, what we're looking to see in this mandatory mini camp, and then we have a couple of mailbag questions that I thought were good. If we don't cover them organically along the way, we will tackle those at the end. So with that said, let's dive into Terry. John, what is the latest, as far as you understand it, on these contract negotiations, and what is his, the significance if he does not come to this mini camp? Well, first of all, he's not coming, so <laughs> I'd be shocked if he. I'd be I'd be shocked if he does show up because something would have to dramatically change for that to happen. So the significance is, I think it's indicative of where the negotiations are at right now. So is it? In and of itself, is it bad that he's not there? Well, you know, as a player, Terry's always a prepared guy, right? You know, Logan has talked about this too, like Deshaun Jackson, when he was here and he would miss the voluntary stuff. I don't remember players ever freaking out about it like fans might because they knew like the guy shows up and produces. He knows the offense. He knows this. He's going to show up and produce. Terry's going to show up and produce. So that part, I think guys understand what's going on. But I think because it's a mandatory situation and because the contract situation, I think it is significant. I think it's an indication of where it's at in the negotiations. And I think all along from January on, like what you'd hear is, okay, spring, summer, similar to John Allen, the timetable, get it done, blah, blah, blah. We're here. Mm. Right. I think this things the things have changed with this receiver market. And yep. I think that's why this is significant. Like, where are they at with their assessment of this market? And it seems like the sides are maybe a little apart on that, on the assessment of the market. And and John, like what is the advantage of him missing minicamp? Does it do something like I never really understood why it was so important. I understand the team wants you there and it's kinda of like a little this weird power move, but you know, is is he getting something out of not coming that maybe like I never understood or the fans might not understand? As far as like from a negotiation standpoint? Yeah, yeah. Does it help him ink a long-term deal by him not coming? Because I never understood that. I never understood the benefit of not coming. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think I would just have to say that I think what it does is it lets, it certainly lets the fan base know where things are at. Mm. The fan base wants this guy back. The right. fan base will revolt. So is this, is this available leverage for Terry's side to say, listen, one of the advantages that we have is your importance to this team and this fan base. And so if fans start to freak out a little mm. bit, does that prompt these guys to say, you got to get this done now or let's get this? I don't know that it's going to change that for them necessarily because I think they, value, they certainly understand his importance to the organization and the fan base. But does this hammer that home? And, you yeah. know, Terry McLaurin is a different guy. You know, this is not he he believes in being a leader. He understands mm. his importance and what he means to the team. He's not arrogant about it, but he knows he understands it. And so I think when a guy like that does something like this, then you then I think it makes it. Oh, OK, there you know what's going on here. And it forces people to look into the situation a little bit harder. And, you know, so, yeah, I think there is some significance to it. And, and, like, this is something I go back and forth on in my own mind. Like, how important or not important is it to sign Terry to a long-term deal? Like, from this team's perspective. And maybe you could talk about it from the fans' perspective also. Um, they probably have to build two or three more Sean Taylor statues if they let him go. I see. You know, yeah. because, <laughs> like, they're going to have to, you know, you. I think 
I think from a PR standpoint, with all the stuff that's going on with this franchise, you need to get something done with him mm. because of his importance to being in that room. And I don't think I would spend a ton on a lot of receivers mm-hmm. because you can find them in the draft. They've been right. more plentiful lately. Although it's funny, it's funny, Logan, because I was talking to somebody in the league about this yesterday, and his comment was, you either overspend on one or you overdraft one. <laughs> and so he's like, it's one or the other. You're going to overspend or overdraft. So with Terry, though, I think there's some guys that I go a little bit above. Tariq Hill, Devontae Adams, massive playmakers, transcend their position a little bit. Right. Terry's importance is what he means to this franchise. Mm. And, you know, just from – from the whole culture standpoint, but also what he means in the room, what he means to the fan base, and I, you don't want to let him get away. So I think it's important. I definitely think it's important to sign him. But I also like, you know, if, if Jahan Dotson comes through, I think that Jahan Dotson is better with Terry McLaurin next to him. Mm, yeah. You know, I think I think Curtis Samuel is better with those two next to him. So I think it is definitely important. And I, you know, I also think, Logan, that his importance may be more here than it would be somewhere else. So mm. he might, like, I think both sides may, may be more valuable to each other, whereas some other guys, Tyreek Hill is going to be valuable no matter where he goes because it's a strictly about on-field playmaking. If Terry McLaurin goes to the New York Jets, is he going to be viewed the same way as he is by this fan base? No, he's not. I don't think so. I think he'd be viewed as a really good receiver, but it's the entire package with Terry here right. that matters a lot. That's that's why I think you need to get this done. Yeah, there's almost a tax to the fact that it's Washington. And with everything that this organization is going through and continuing going through, has gone through, you have a guy that does everything right. And, and I also think that when you look at trying to bring other people to this franchise, free agents, and obviously priority free agents, especially like how you treat your players matters. And if Terry McLaren comes in and does everything right, produces at a high level, despite the quarterback play right. is a leader is showing up for everything until this very contract negotiation and you let that guy walk or you lowball him and it comes out that you're offering him five million a year less than he thinks he deserves right. and that he ultimately he especially if you were to get it somewhere else like good luck recruiting anybody else like if you think the tax is high for terry mclaren wait till you see what you got to pay the next guy and i think there's that element too of just there's so much value in having a steady ship and this ship is anything but steady right now for a variety of reasons and terry mclaren is a guy who can grab the wheel and be like hey, I know where we're supposed to sail. Right. No, I think that's 100% right. And Logan, I'd be curious from your end too, if, if you're a player in that locker room and you know, you know your contract's coming up and you see what's going on with Terry, does it impact you in any way? Yeah, that's a good question. I just got in a big fight with somebody at work about this. And I think, I think on right. some level it does, yes. But I think you know, as I went on in my career, you know, um, especially the last four or five years kind of kicking around the league, you understand, you get this understanding that you are, you're just a commodity, really. You know what I'm saying? And like you mentioned some of the things that make Terry a valuable commodity here that might not make him necessarily valuable somewhere else. And it's about what the team perceives your value to be versus what you as a player seem to seem to perceive your value to be. <clears throat> and I think one of the interesting things about that dynamic is that players often overvalue themselves and it gets and it becomes like this kind of, 
this this insulting kind of environment where you're like, oh, they're not giving me what I want. But as as far as I'm concerned, like that's when I was playing specifically. Like obviously, you wanted good guys to get resigned, you wanted good guys to get rewarded. But the longer I was around, the more I realized that's not always how it played out. You know, like it's just, and maybe I'm jaded, maybe I'm old, maybe my my path was different than a lot of other people's. But that was something that I um I had a really hard time with. You know, like as I got on, you know what I mean in terms of yeah, like I think Terry's a good football player, but. If I'm on that, if I'm in that locker room right now, and I have a ton of respect for Terry, like I'm not surprised if he doesn't sign, just because of what I know about the wide receiver market. Right. And I think that's that's the thing that makes this so challenging for him, you know. And and again, maybe some of the younger guys feel differently. Maybe some of the younger guys have the same sentiment as what Craig said. But again, like jaded old old dog out here, like I'm kind of like, well, get what you can, Terry, and hopefully it's what what fits you and is what's best for you and your family, you know. Right. I think I think the key would be is how they. You know, if you can't get a deal done, that's one thing. But if you're like seeing yeah. things dramatically different, to me, that's another, right? Because then it's like, well, how do you value your own? And, yeah. you know, the one thing I wonder too is yeah. they didn't draft Terry. They did not draft Terry. So they understand his importance here, but this was, he was from a different regime. And I don't think they're holding that against him at all. But I do think if it's one of your guys that you drafted, you tend to be a little bit more aggressive trying to keep them because you want to show that. But I don't think that's the case here. I think they understand well, very well what Terry means. Um, I do wonder, like this market has changed so dramatically over the last few months. Have have How much has each side altered yeah. their view of the market and where he sits in there? I think that's... That's one of the things I think that could be at play here. So that actually leads to an interesting question for me of like, what, like what has actually happened in this negotiation? Because there hasn't been any numbers that have leaked out as far as I can, or as far as I've seen, you know, if I missed something, I missed something, but there hasn't been like a, Oh, well, Washington offered X McLaren and his agent counter with Y they are this far apart. And that's, that's ultimately probably a good thing for the, the end negotiation. You never want to be negotiating in public that, that tends to get feelings hurt and, and wind up bringing in factors that don't really matter in terms of getting to a number. But as this market has continued to rise, like that is relevant information, obviously for them on, on the back end of things. And sure. it's something that I've been saying uh, since before we even started this podcast, 10 episodes ago of like, I don't know if you're Washington, why you'd wait because all that happens is the market that goes up yet. They consistently, we saw this with John Allen most recently last year, like waiting is their MO. So do we have any idea where they are or are both sides just kind of standing there waiting for the other one to make an offer? Like, do we actually have any deeper understanding of how close or not they are? Well, they've definitely talked. And I think the indication of how close they are is determined by Terry not showing up. I think if they're close, if you're close, he's not skipping. Guys don't skip in that situation, right? You skip when you Mm. want to make a statement about a situation. So that should tell you all you need to know, like whatever numbers you hear. I also think that the hard part with it, receivers are so, it's funny because with Terry, we know he hasn't like, is he as good as an A.J. Brown? Most people might say no, but is he more available yeah. than A.J. Brown, right? And so like, then there's mm, value yeah. in the fact that you play more. So, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like A.J. Brown missed games with Tennessee or missed snaps with Tennessee more than McLaurin missed in Washington. So what's the value on that? So does that like, 
you know, if people think that A.J. Brown is a little bit better and, you know, again, I mean, I think, again, most people that I've talked to would say that, but whatever. But then Terry hasn't played with really good quarterbacks either. So, you know, I just, I remember going back to his rookie year, Craig, like those, we saw these games, like those first five, six, seven games, he should have been over 100 yards five times. And it wasn't even like, it wasn't even this like, oh, he's running down the right side and they didn't see him. It's, no, he's wide open. And you overthrew him by 10 yards. It's a 70-yard touchdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we saw that We saw that a number of times where he's open in the pro- in seemingly in the progression and either missed or not thrown to, whatever. But, like, he was open that much. So he could be working on three 1,000-yard seasons. When you look at the quarterbacks he's played with, it's pretty damn impressive. So, you know, whereas opposed to some other guys, like, okay, you know, you, you've been with, Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, still like I'm Devontae Adams and Tariq Hill are different levels, right? But you know, it, it, it's it's been there is a um, part of Terry's game where it's like you all everybody wants to see like what could he do with a better quarterback. It's funny though because you said um, you know oh is he better than AJ Brown? You know Browns had better quarterbacks and it's like he played with Ryan Tannehill who like was right, pretty right, good in right. Tennessee but it's not like he, you're talking about an all pro like one of the best in football. He's not Brady, right? Yeah, it, so it is kind of crazy that McLaren has had almost 3 1000 yard seasons with the quarterbacks that he's had. Yeah. All right, uh last thing on McLaren. Let's 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 make predictions uh because that always winds up going really really well. Uh what gets done here? Like Week one of the season, Terry McLaurin is playing, not playing. So I guess we'll throw holdout or not in, in there. And is he, if he is playing, is he playing out the final year of his deal or is he on a new contract? John, you can go first. Thank you. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say they get something done. I'm going to, I've been, I think my optimism level was about an eight a couple of weeks ago. I'd say right now it's down to a seven. Um, because I still think it may, I still think that they're going to come to the point where like, you got to get this done. If you, if you value this guy and you want him here, you've got to get it done. Otherwise then you make a move. And, you know, like with, um, with AJ Brown, I think the, the Titans realize, yeah, you could bring him back, but then what kind of, who are you bringing back? Like, I don't think it, Terry would let it affect him. That's not who he is. But you know how it is. Like you don't. You want guys in there who who want to be there, who are part of that future. Um, and it, are you worried about anything? And you know, do you get more value if you just said we're we're going to move them now? I don't think it'll get to that point. I've got to believe if they really do want, if they really do value him, you find a way to get this done before or early in training camp. Like I'm going to hold to that right now. But like I said, I've gone from an eight to a seven. But seven is still seventy percent chance, right? So I'm going to stick with that for right now. Logan, yeah, I mean, I would defer to John here because John's John's the guy that I would ask this question to. I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I I get nervous about it. Quite honestly, the more I kind of get, I was very optimistic it was going to get done, and I still think it's going to get done. But like, I look at kind of what this team values. They they probably want to extend some of these defensive linemen. How much money can they afford to have Terry tied up with, especially if Carson Wentz plays well? And again, like those questions start adding up, you know, how do they see Terry in terms of play on the field? Like, is he, um, 
you know, is he like a, a two? Is he a one in their eyes? Like, and those, those questions are becoming more and more prevalent in my mind, the longer this goes on. So I think, you know, I, I would defer to John here 100%, but I'm getting, as this pushes out, I'm getting a little bit less optimistic because I just, because the thing you guys mentioned AJ Brown, but the thing that I keep going back to is that Christian Kirk deal. And he is way better than yeah. Christian Kirk. You know, and Christian Kirk's Correct. getting like 20 million a year or 18 and a half million a year, whatever it is. And so like, that's the minimum. And like, does this team, can they afford to do that with him given the people that they probably want to extend moving forward? Um, that seems fair, 18 and a half. But again, like you want, you want more if you're Terry because your production's been way better. So to me, that's, that's the, that's the issue is like, that's all that, that's starting to become a huge sum of money. And you've got guys that I know you want to extend, you know, that D line is, specifically coming to mind and can you do it with Terry on like cl- something close to a supermax contract and my, my answer is I don't know so I'm going to say I'm probably a little bit less pes- a little bit more pessimistic than John I'm going to say six and a half but again I'm right there with John because I I would I would ask John this question I would defer to John 100 percent well and if I can just follow up one thing too and I'm with I'm with you in that like you know I debated going down to a six but I you know I part of me just is like I can't believe they would not get it done because all I kept hearing is that right. they that they were very optimistic, um, and I think the other factor is that cap is going to go up quite a bit over the next couple of years. Mm. They're 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 through that COVID penalty year, like you know what I mean in terms of like what they yeah, lost yeah. from the revenue and all that. That it's going to go way up. So what looks really really exorbitant now in two years might not depending on where the cap if, if right. the cap goes where they think it is. So that's another part of that too. So but I you know I still like like I said I think they'll get it done and I part of me just like I can't believe they wouldn't because I, I think they understand what he means here. And I know I don't think you can just keep guys or get rid of guys because of fan sentiment, but I think you have to understand with all the stuff that's gone on here, do you really want do you want to take that hit? Because if you do that, you better win a lot of games this year. Right, right. And look, if Dotson plays well and they win and Terry's not here, then they'll be like, ah, well, look, they knew what they were doing. But I- I'll say this, like, I'm, Logan, I agree. Like, if there's if there's someone I trust on this, it's John. I, he's the person <laughs> I would ask. And I hear him say seven out of ten. And But I also, John, I hear your reasoning. And I... I'm dead on with you. Like the only reason I think this gets done is because things like this almost always get done. Mm. And I have zero faith in this front office. Uh, they have, they have earned that. Uh, I have very little, like when I say very little faith in Terry, um, that's actually a compliment. Like, I don't think he's going to bend or break in these negotiations. I think he does have a very unique understanding of his value, um, in the ways that you described earlier. And I also think like he's a guy that cares about winning in a major way. And if he feels like this franchise isn't going in the right direction, like I, that gives him even less incentive to sign on to it long term. And if they're not going to pay him exactly what he wants, and so I, these things get done. That is typically how they work because at the end of the day, he's going to go from making like a couple mil to potentially twenty million dollars, and that's just too much money to pass up. And that's why these things get done. Well, it'll be more than twenty. <laughs> it'll be more than 20 it, it has like it's got to be it's it's got to be close to what if you know my guess is if you know again if aj brown's getting 25 you know i think it's 23 be 23 right and a half minute. something like that 20 23 you think he's 25 25 that they say like and i don't know that no I, sure. that, that makes sense yeah then. but i know that 
It's going to be north of 20. Yeah, which is a lot of money. So 20-something, well, right? You're going to go from, from never making over a million before this year. He is making a couple million. I think it's like three-something in the final year of this deal, this rookie deal. But you're going to go from that to 23, 25, whatever it is. That's why these deals get done. But I do not have the faith in this front office to get this it's, done. So I'm relying completely on history. I, I, I'm with you on that. And I think they've got to prove that they can get it done. And like, it's weird. It must be weird, like, Logan, what was it like when you signed that $20 million check? <laughs> so get this. So when I signed my deal, my, my, my limited extension here, which was like three years, uh, like the basically it was like, I want a million and a half, you know, or two million or something like that as a signing bonus. And, you know, and then they were like, well, we'll give you a million. And I remember I went to my, my dad and I went to my father-in-law and we were talking about it. And my dad basically looked at me and said, like, just so you know, it took me like I was like 55 years old before I had a million dollars in the bank account. And I was like, well, you know, to Craig's point, like, well, you know, that's like life changing money for my family. So, like, I'm not going to, like, blow this up over, you know, $500,000. I mean, I want that money in my account. So, again, like to Craig's point, like when people show you a big check, it's like and it's right there on the table. You're like, well, you know. Man, yeah, ego's not that big. I can I can take twenty three. I can make I can be happy with that. Like it's like uh, I heard this story. I was in uh, um, Atlanta, and the GM there was the GM in New England when Tom Brady was signing his extension, and they were arguing over same type of thing. It was like seventeen, and they wanted to give him fifteen. And eventually, Tom ended up coming to the office and was like, "If I can't be happy with fifteen million dollars, like there's something wrong with my lifestyle at this point." And I think ultimately, that's like this is a lot of money. People who haven't a lot of money, and it. it and, Hopefully, it's cooler heads prevail, and they're not, you know, slighted by this other thing. So, well, that's why, like, for you, that's a lot of that. Was, well, for for Logan, it was a lot of crystal at the club, man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we all know how Paulson rolls. <laughs> yeah, deep, deep on the crystal. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson, ESPN's John Kime is with us. All right, let's 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 take just a couple minutes each on the other guys that may or may not be showing up. I feel like these are much simpler uh, conversations. Deron Payne's probably the most complicated of the rest of them. Like, what do we know about where he's at? He's obviously been very careful about not being in team drills and things like that. Looks like he wants to avoid injury, which is perfectly sensible. Logan and I have talked about that on previous pod. John, I'm sure you talked about it on your show as well. Um, but then yeah. he does miss that last uh, voluntary session completely. Do we expect him to show up? And what does it mean if, if he doesn't show up? Well, I have not heard that he's not at this point. So 
I can only go by that, and I don't know if he is or he isn't. I just know that I haven't heard that he's not. Um, so I would tend to think that he probably will. I think Terry's in a maybe a slightly more unique position with things. Um, so I, th- my guess is that he would, but I don't know that for sure. Is there any chance that his situation changes between now and the season? Like It seems like Duran is trying to negotiate, but I don't get the sense that there's actually a negotiation happening. No, and I, the thing that'll be interesting is if um, how many teams like do teams come back and try to pry him away if there aren't negotiations going on? Like there are teams that definitely would be interested in him. I I know that for a fact. It makes sense. I mean, he's a good player. So if they, you know, because they could go to them in August, say we'll give you a third round pick right now. And take off your hands because you're not you're gonna. That's all you're gonna get a year from now. So you could get the pick now or then. I don't think they would want to do that necessarily because part of what your strength is is that defensive tackle rotation. Still, even with potentially, if if Mathis plays the way that I think he probably could, then you still have a strong uh, situation there with Payne. And I think Payne can benefit from playing next to Fidarian Mathis. Um, because he can do th- he Mathis will handle some roles that Payne has had to handle and now would not have to. So he might be able to put up some better numbers because of that, in theory, on paper. So I think it would be good for him to stick around. But um, so I don't know. Like, I don't, I think he's going to be a hard one to do. And I think I always felt like they got Mathis that, yes, you can play him, you can keep him now. But it was also a little bit like if he leaves, now you still have two starters. Like that would be how you'd view it, right? So, yeah, that's really interesting because, like you said, John, I think one of the things that's been an advantageous perspective on this team is that defensive front, specifically the defensive tackles, because of Payne and Allen's production last year. And so, to take that piece out and be relying completely on a rookie, I think puts you in a tough spot. Um, but like, can anything get done with him while Terry is still in negotiation, or like, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I, I, and I think that's a good point. And, you know, the other, the other part to that all, when I was talking to somebody yesterday, they're like, these guys know they, they, they don't need to win or face losing their jobs. But this is the third year of this program. You do need to show legitimate progress. And by trading pain, you would hurt potentially maximizing that progress. So as far as the negotiations, though, I think it's a little bit harder than John Allen because I think with John Allen's put up some different numbers. Um, so I think that may make it a little bit trickier with him. So I don't, but I don't have a great, great, as good a sense of that one as I think I do with mm. McLaurin's situation. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. When you look at Montez Sweat, is this just like a similar thing to what we were talking about earlier with Deshaun Jackson, like a guy who's really good at his job, who doesn't feel like he needs to be in every session? Is there something contractual going on there? Like what's been the, and obviously I think he had like a, a medical or family situation or something earlier a couple weeks ago. Um, so like right. what, what's the in and out situation with Montez Sweat that, and is there any concern with like his, the way he feels about the club, the team, his position, et cetera? No, and I mean, I, and I saw him out there last week. He just he wasn't on the in the eleven on the full team stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't know that there's anything there that needs to be is is concerning. And you know, the hard part 
I'll be honest, Craig, the hard part for me is I missed a week because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And then I missed a week because I was out of town. I had to go up to Bristol for some meetings and all that, that you, you know, there's some things that maybe for me that I would have been, um, had more energy time to inquire about. And instead it's been so much on Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. right. um, Dotson, Terry, you know, there have been so many other topics that have been above that as far as like the importance to right now that some of that stuff with like with with sweat, you know, I don't I don't know that there's anything there at this point. And it's something that I think it's something that has to be explored a little bit more, to be honest, and just to yeah. see. But I don't want to go anywhere where I don't have any information Right. But, you know, good. What we can definitely say, there's nothing that's blown up. There's nothing that's gotten out. So that at least doesn't seem hostile from the outside. Um, But Logan, when you watch him in the stuff that he has participated in, like, how's he looked? He's a great. I mean, like he, I think, uh, you know, Ron had mentioned that he's been a little bit more boisterous. He's been a little bit more outgoing. He's kind of assuming more of a leadership role. I think the production's matched, you know, like Cosme and Leno have a pretty solid OTA period, you know, um, Casey Tuhill and James Smith Williams, we've talked about, I've talked about them other places, and they've had a nice OTA period as well, very solid. But then when Montez gets out there, it's just like a different breed of human being. You know what I mean? He's just got this tremendous long arm. He just presents different problems. He's got great speed off the edge, and he plays like he's got thirty-five and three-quarter inch arms. Like, like everyone was talking about the guy that went to Jacksonville in the draft as being this athletic, yeah, Walker, yeah, yeah, as as an athletic freak. And Montez ran a faster 40. He's got a better broad jump, better vertical, longer arms. And so, again, like there's like five people on the face of the planet that look like him, and that shows up in the OTA period. So, you know, I really, if I'm, if I'm on the team, I'm like, I feel pretty good about where Montez is at. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's going to be Montez. He's, and the fact that he's kind of assuming a larger leadership role I think is really good because that's one thing that's always been a little bit of a question mark about him. So, you know, if you're a fan, I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited. The tape supported it. Ron has supported it. Take that for what it's worth. It's you know it's early in the off season, but again, like you see why he's a unique human being that plays the game of football at this point. And you know it's it's funny, Logan, that you bring up like compared to Walker because I remember before the draft that year that Montez came out, and you know like you know I like to go and watch guys that I think these guys might have a chance of drafting, and I came down to Montez Swim like. Well, there's no way in hell that he's going to be there at 15. Like this yeah. guy's way too good, but I should probably I should probably watch him anyways just in case. And then it's like then he falls all the way to 26 and you find out later there's some the health stuff and all that. But in terms of the measurables and all that, it's like he was off the charts yes. and, and his play was really good. I mean, he looked he looked really good, but I, I thought there'd be no way no way he'd be available at 15. It's certainly not 26, but then again, heart, the heart issue and all that. I think that's a great point. And I think that like that's the other thing about him is like, you know, down in and down out last year when you watched him, he was the most consistent outside of Allen, probably the most consistent <laughs> yeah. defensive lineman, defensive player maybe outside of like Cam Curl or something like that. So again, like he's a big piece of this offense. Those physical measurables make it really hard for him to have a lot of negative variance in his game. So I think, yeah, like you feel good about it. Like if he wants to, quite frankly, if he wants to sit out, have a couple Gatorades on the sideline, like go for it. You know, as long as he's here hanging out with it, cutting up with his buddies, like good for him, you know? Yeah. Be in the meeting rooms, be in the film room and uh, we'll see you on the field in August. Right. And I think the other thing with him is too, Logan, what we saw right before he got hurt was how well he and Allen were starting to work together. Yeah. And I remember there were some plays in that Denver, there were some plays in that Denver game where you really see 
first of all, I think they have similar mindsets as their approach up front. But you saw the like the way they could work together. And there, I remember there was one stunt they ran against. I think it was Denver, where it was just like you saw them like a little look, mm. and they they kind of adjusted off that. Like you know you know what I mean. And so yeah. I think that they have some of that chemistry that you want to keep going, obviously. Um, but I think that'll be one thing to watch this year because it was such a point of emphasis last year that how is it? But I think those two, I felt like worked well together. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, as far as Chase goes, uh, we expect him to be there. If he's not, we'll talk about it on Thursday. There, we did the Chase Young segment. All right, let's get on <laughs> to Mailbag Monday. There you go. There you go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Take command from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson, ESPN's John Keim has been nice enough to be with us for the entire pod and will stay with us through the mailbag for these last 10 minutes here. Um, this is a, a tweet I got from Tyler. And again, you can tweet your Mailbag Monday questions to me at Craig Hoffman. Logan's not on Twitter because he successfully avoided the cesspool. And um, you can tweet it, John, but he's he's going to just be like, I'm floating up here. Here's my story. All right, I'm back out. You're, you're doing it right, John. I, I got to. That's what I got to do. I got to stay out of the mentions. Well, I listen, I do respond, but it's but there are some times where you respond a little bit less than used to, or I don't tweet out as much as I used to, but I will respond when I can because I do think I will say I do think it's important for me to be able to do that so I can either explain some situations or or just, you know, you you know, you as a reporter, you are you held accountable for some things, but like it's more the the toxicity that I see on my timeline it's not, I know it's not directed at me. I know that I'm the, like, I'm the closest one they have to the team, right? So I'm the right, conduit. Right. And so it's always <laughs> like, I'm, I'm pissed at Rivera, so I'm going to tweet at you. I'm like, guy's on Twitter. There he is, right there. Go to it. But yeah. so I, understand, I understand that. But I'm, I will interact. Uh, you should take the next angry tweet you get like that and just reply to that tweet and go CC at Coach Rivera. <laughs> They're out there, yeah. All right, this tweet I actually liked from Tyler. Um, kind of a bigger picture look at the depth on the team. He goes, I think overall defensive depth is a concern. Guys are going to get hurt, and if we're going to position group by position group, possibly all the offensive groups are better positioned for that than each individual defensive group. So if you think about the depth that they have on offense, and Logan, we've talked about the depth they have at tight end, the depth they have at receiver. Um, you know, I know you really liked some of the young offensive linemen, and they bring in Turner and Norwell, and all of a sudden those guys are backups again. So you have group by group, and even at quarterback, like, look, Heineke is a starter. I think my opinion and everyone's opinion here is well known on that. But like we all said, 
phenomenal backup. Like, we're going to be one of the better backups in the league. So position group by position group offensively, there is talent and depth. Defensively, it's definitely a lot thinner. And I just think when you think about Rivera coming in and building a team, ironically following a guy in Gruden who is an offensive coach, how much they invested in the defense, and now all of a sudden it's thinned out under a defensive coach where they seem to have invested a lot about offense or in their offense. I know there's not really a question there, but I just I think it's interesting, and I thought it was a great tweet by Tyler to kind of point that out. So when we put all that on the table for discussion, Logan, like, what's that? Where's your mind go with all of that? Okay, so yeah, the first thing I would say is that uh, yeah, I agree offensively. I think the depth at the skill positions specifically is much better. I think the one area that I kind of keep an eye on uh, reluctantly is tackle depth. You know, they've got Lucas, they've got Cosme, they've got Leno, but they don't really have a true tackle outside of it. I know they messed around with Sadiq playing tackle. I know they messed around with Chris Paul playing some tackle, but neither one of those guys I don't. I think you would feel good about having to play a lot. And usually you like to have at least four guys in camp. So that's a little bit of a surprising, but to his point, I think the other thing is like you look at the defensive depth and the areas where you need depth, I think you've got okay depth. And what I mean by that is like you're going to need a lot of safeties on this team and they have a good, nice, deep rotation of safeties because you're probably going to have three safeties on the field in almost every situation. I think a lot of people say the linebackers, not a lot of linebackers on the team. I will like they do not need a lot of linebacker depth on this team. They are going to be in two linebackers. I want to say. I want 90% of the time, at least that's what they've shown through camp so far. When they do do stuff and they, they, they are kind of trying to mix it up, they go 5D lineman, one linebacker, Cam Crow's playing the Buffalo Nickel or Benjamin St. Juice. So it's one linebacker or two linebackers for 90% of the stuff. Mayo's had a solid camp. Kalik Hudson's had a solid camp. So I don't think you need to be super freaked out about lack of depth there. And one of the reasons you can do that is you have excellent pieces on the edge in terms of Casey Tuhill and James Smith Williams, guys who can play special teams and add value as special teams players there. So again, like that depth is a little confusing. Uh, it's, 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 it seems like it's there, but it's not really an issue at this point for this roster. So I think the safety depth is a little bit of an issue and kind of figuring out who those three guys are going to be and then who the three backup guys are going to be if I was going to be, uh, be, be totally dial- dialed in on that. And then obviously, like John mentioned earlier, the lack of defensive line depth if Jerron doesn't get his situation worked out becomes very alarming very quickly. But I do think that's going to get worked. I think that's going to be okay. So that's kind of my perspective on it. It seems like the linebackers might be an issue. But I think when you take a, a you know a thousand foot view of how they're how they're utilizing those guys right now, I don't think it's as big of an issue as a lot of fans think. Yeah, John, when you look at the depth and how they've built this team considering the the coaching staff and specifically the head coach and, and what his MO is, like surprise you at all? Well, a little bit, but I think I mean first of all, they did invest in the defense. They took a first round guy last year in there. Jamin Davis has to develop to make that worthwhile, right? So he's got to be a guy that definitely develops because that's part of the investment. They did take Mathis in the second round. Now they let, they got rid of Ionitis. I think what they would say is that was a necessary, for them, they felt was necessary to, you know, to be honest, get a guy out who maybe had some dissatisfaction. And then, um, you know, Mathis is another investment. Percy Butler, an investment at safety. Again, got to develop those guys. So could it be better at the end of the year if those guys come through? Well, yeah. You know, if Derek Forrest plays, you know, does some things as a third safety, is that, but those are all unknowns. So I think, I think like they're, to your point, Craig, what he has said all along is solid lines. That's always what he talks about. Solid lines, both sides of the ball, solid lines. 
So I think offensively, they've built a the depth I really like along the line. I think it's very solid. I, I agree with Logan on the tackles. Um, I love like, for some reason I got like Wes Schweitzer. I love that guy because um, I think he can play multiple spots. I think he's he can be limited as a pass protector. But when he was playing center last year, he was pretty good. Like he's got some mother effort to him, right? And, you know, like I like guys like that <laughs> along the front. Technical it, it, is, it is. It's a scouting term. I'm just throwing it out. You know, done. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've heard it. And so, so I like the, I don't know if the, how good the line's going to be as a starting group, but I think they can withstand injuries to that group. Defensive line, I think they've improved themselves at defensive end because of James Smith Williams and Case Tool, their development and what they showed they could do with them last year. How, and I think one thing that's a key with that defense um, is how Del Rio and company continue to apply pressure. And when before Sweat and Young went down, it was all about four man rushes. Then when those guys went down on third down, a lot more pressure looks. And I think it, I think if you can do that with those two in there, I think it makes them more effective. So I think, so I think I'm getting away from my original, from the original discussion. So I apologize. Going back to the depth, um, I think what I'm surprised by though, and I agree with Logan, like they played three linebacker sets on 65 snaps last year, according to um, Next Gen Stats. 65 snaps all year. So we're talking like four snaps a game. But what I would like if I'm them is maybe one more proven guy who's a backup. So like Kalik Hudson, I think can fill a role, but if he has to start, how are you going to feel? You know, I felt like David Mayo in that Eagles game did a nice job. If he has to start for four or five games, how are you going to feel? So is there a veteran guy out there? I My guess is, because I've heard linebacker way too often this offseason, for them not to maybe find somebody else to help just one other guy. You know, and it, Listen, for all I know, it could be John Bostic coming back because they love that guy. And because he's like a coach on the field and can help those young guys keep developing. And not to have him go out and play a lot of snaps, because if he's playing a lot of snaps, Jamin Davis isn't developing. And, you know, that's a problem. So I do think you, I, I would feel more comfortable they got one more guy there. But I agree with Logan, like, they're not going to be using all those guys a lot. And then secondary, in the secondary, I do have some more concerns about the secondary depth. And like I like what Benjamin St. Juice has showed this spring. I liked a lot of what he showed early last year before the injuries. But what happens if any of those guys get hurt? What kind, you know, is do they have the depth there? And that would be a concern. And same with safety. Is Derek Forrest like we've seen guys look good in the spring before? It doesn't mean anything come August or September. So where are they at with that, with that, with that area too? So those are are they questions? Are they concerns? Maybe they're both. Um, I think in some cases, the question is, does Percy Butler develop? Does Derek Forrest develop? And at corner, I think to me, it's a little bit more like, you know, a linebacker. Like, I'd like to get another guy in there, but I like where Cole Holcomb is. How does Jamin Davis develop, though? So there are definitely more questions on that side of the ball, I think. Yeah, definitely. We've we spent a good amount of time in, in that kind of a theme developing of, 
where are the veterans with the institutional knowledge and the know-how, even if they don't right. play a lot. And that's something that I think they could use in a lot of different positions, especially uh, on that defense. One guy who's a younger vet, um, but a vet nonetheless is Bobby McCain. Last question. We got a, a tweet asking about William Jackson III and Bobby McCain. We spent a lot of time on Thursday's pod on William Jackson III, so we'll redirect anybody looking for William Jackson III knowledge that may have missed that to that discussion that Logan and I had. But what have you guys seen from Bobby McCain this spring and how confident are you in, in his position uh, as, as really one of the veterans and, and one of the better players on this defense, at least they're hoping, uh, moving forward into the fall? I mean, you can definitely see they're, gonna, they're, they're planning on relying on him quite a bit, and I think he's deserved of that opportunity. I think he is probably the most kind of outside of Cam Curl, like the most established player of that safety rotation, you know, that they've got going and, and John hit on a couple like the Forest, the Butlers, like he's a guy that you feel good about. He, you feel like he knows what he's doing. He knows the post snap adjustments. He knows the route combinations. Like you feel good about that. You feel good about his experience in the back end. Um, I think he has up and down days. You know, he's not just kind of been on this consistent ascension, but I think he's been more good than bad. And I think when you talk to the coaches about him, they give they give ringing endorsements of him because of the leadership, because of his physical skill set, and because of his knowledge. Really, is what, what it boils down to. So I think it, going into the season, I think you feel good about him. I mean, I think you feel not to disparage William Jackson the third, but I think you feel better about him starting than you do at William Jackson the third at this point of the offseason. Now a lot can change between now and kickoff, but I think that's kind of how I would assess him at this moment. John, what have you seen? Well, and. <clears throat> First off, like like I said, I you know with with Bobby McCain this spring, I haven't paid attention closely enough to him because there's so many other guys that I'm looking at. I would go back to last year and how he developed last year, and you could see early on wasn't as great, but there were so many issues with that secondary, and how much of it was on him, how much of it was on the corners around him, the communication, um, and I know Jack Del Rio pointed it out about how. There were guys that were missing. He came in he because he didn't sign here until late in the spring. So, like, the communication, there were some issues there. I think he got more comfortable. And I really felt you saw that when the, with the ability to disguise coverages. And I thought he did a nice job in that area of disguising coverages. And, you like, I remember even that, that Buccaneers game, there were things that, like, he and Cam Curl and Landon were able to do that you could see that Brady – I don't want to say like, you know, he would, he, he couldn't always go to his first guy because of maybe the looks that they changed last second. And I give McCain some, some of that credit too. I thought he did a nice job there. And I think he's got some versatility that you can tap into with it. And as does Cam Curl. I think one of the things, Craig, that jumps out to me this spring is the versatility that they, they may, that they hope to have at safety. And I think like you're going to miss Landon Collins. Landon was very smart. And I think he could play a role that, like that is is it will be hard for them to um, find somebody who can do what he did. You can fill that role in a variety of ways, but what he did, I think, was different. And so, but I do think with between Cam and Bobby McCain, and they need to have either Forrest or um, Percy Butler come through there. But those, I think Cam and Bobby are fairly pretty smart players. I think Cam is very smart. And I think Bobby is a smart player too. So that gives them that gives them some ability to do some things in the back end. Um, that I liked how he progressed. Like I didn't. I mean, he's not. I don't want to overstate 
how good he is or anything like that. That's not the point. But I did like how he progressed last year. Right. And I liked how he progressed in some of those areas where I felt like it could help them. I thought they did a better job disguising coverages after early in the season. And just to piggyback on that point by John real quick, like all the guys that you feel good about in the offseason program had good years or good second half of the seasons last year, right? So like I think like John said, like with Jamin Davis, like he's had a great OTA period. He's in a solid OTA period. But like the film last year makes you skeptical about his progression going into this year, right? So like I think with Bobby McCain specifically, like he hits that almost to a T. Very solid OTA period, good second half of the year last year, and it makes you feel better about where he's at. So like, you know, I think all the listeners need to keep that in mind. Like I try to pick players that had good second half of the year or showed some flashes last year that are supporting that, that body of work they had from the year before with this off season program. And there are certain guys that are doing that. And there's certain guys that aren't doing that, but I do think that Bobby McCain is one of them. You know what I mean? So, yeah, definitely. Um, good stuff uh, all around. You want questions in next Monday at Craig Hoffman on Twitter. You can follow Logan at Logan underscore Paulson 82 on Instagram. John, uh, this is the part of the show where you get to plug your social medias and your podcast and all of the cool stuff that start up out of Connecticut. What's ES? Yes, <laughs> there's a small website. There's a dot com in it somewhere four, where, four, where people can find letters, all your stuff. Four big letters. So obviously ESPN.com. And then you can follow me on Twitter at John underscore Kime, K-E-I-M. On Instagram, it's John Kime ESPN. Um, and then there's the podcast, the creatively named John Kime Report. So there you go. But that's, yeah. And, you know, you can find that on YouTube as well. But, yeah, there's, it's all that. Like, we, can, you know, I try to be really creative with the name and it's John Kime Report. <laughs> that's what came out of it. That's, and yeah. if you're listening to this podcast and you're not listening to that podcast, make sure you're listening to that podcast because that podcast has all the good details, good guests. So make sure you check it out. Logan, how many times have you been on that podcast? I don't know, John. How many times have you been on that podcast? But a few times. It's been a few times. A few times been on that I try, podcast. I try, I try to limit you to once a month so I'm not burning you out. <laughs> yeah, can't, can't, he's, he's got reps to get on this field, John. You can't, you can't, <laughs> but, you can't rep him out on the, on the other field. It, listen, I mean, I, 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 got, I got him a nice lunch at Matchbox. But then he re- he reciprocated. So yeah, very <laughs> nice. Listen, I'm going to owe him about. I'm going to owe him a couple it's, more it's, lunches pretty soon. Hey, if you get lunch out of it, Logan, go do your thing, man. <laughs> I appreciate you having me on, John. I appreciate you coming to this show. Yeah, yeah hell yeah, lunch, and it's good. It's good. It's good cross promotion. You, go. you know, we're helping him out. He's helping us out. Go. That's how it goes. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take it, John. Appreciate the time, man. Thanks so of much course. for coming on. Thanks, man. Enjoyed it. <laughs>